it's a two-way thing. <laughs> we kind of work together. So he's, he's, um, he's reading. He's going to read for us Acts chapter 6 from 1 to 7, and then I'll come and speak. Go on. So this morning's reading is from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. And this is page 1098 in the Church Bibles. Choosing off the seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to the prayer and ministry of the world. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, also Prochorus, Nicana, Timon, Pomenus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Owen. It's great. So that's um, if you've got a Bible, there are some Bibles under the chairs. You can follow the passage there from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. We continue our series of life in the early church. Jane spoke last week, and um, she was looking at that story of extraordinary miracles happening. But one of the things that Jane also mentioned was that we are one body. We're a body, and Paul uses the analogy of that body, that the church is a body with many parts. And everybody has a role to play. You've got Rosie with those amazing gifts that we've just celebrated. And you've got so many others here and others watching online and others maybe not even watching now, but we all pull together in different ways. And what's happening in this scene is that you find that the church in Acts, it says to us in verse 1, if you have a look there, it says the church was growing. The church was growing. Those disciples, if you remember when, at, at, at the beginning in Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, the Spirit of God comes, they're in the upper room, and then Peter starts to preach, then to their number is added, how many? 3,000 then. But it goes on later in verse 32, and we see also in Acts chapter 4 that they met together from house to house. And broke bread. And as they carried on doing that, to their number was being added daily those who were being saved. So you have this scene here where the church is growing, 
but see what is happening as the church is growing. There were rumblings of discontent. And they were saying that some of their widows were being neglected. There were, there were important jobs that needed doing, and they were trying to attend to each other. But then actually, in trying to attend to all those people, somehow, others were being left out. I had so many illustrations to use for this this morning, but here is one. So I've got my ten hands right now. Okay, so I need each finger to attend and distribute something to, to you. So assume this is my church. Okay, shall, shall we try? When I point at you, please um, just give me a wave. You don't need to stand. Okay. When I point at you with a finger, just give me a wave. Okay. How many ways have I got? Roughly about 10. So how about the rest of you? Yeah. I wish I also got a little wave. I wish I got a wave too. I wish I got a wave too. But I've only got 10 hands. You're listening, aren't you? That is intentional. Each finger is meant to represent a hand. Okay, let's, let's do it that way. So assume each finger represents a hand. How many hands are those, or how many fingers are those? Assume each finger represents a hand. How many fingers are those? A hundred. We were doing these maths with Hannah the other day, so a hundred. But even then, so our lecture roll has about... The thing about lecture rolls is not everybody fills in. And then, so it's not exact and accurate, but it says 217, the membership. So let's say about 250, or about 300. Okay, so I've got my 10. Even if I multiplied those fingers by 10 hands, it's still 100. In this church that is growing, some needs are not being met. Some, of, some people feel they're being left out. So what do the disciples then do in verse 2? Can you see what they decide to do? They call the meeting. It's a bit like Paul Salter emailing me and Alan and saying, oh, I think we need another warden's meeting. I think, oh, Paul, we just met yesterday. And John thinks, not another one. But So then they think, they called for a meeting because there's something important that needs attention. But this meeting was not just for the leaders, it was for all the believers. And they were asking, we need to spend time doing these things. So, uh, I've been appointed, or Paul's been appointed, or Alan's been elected. They've been elected to do particular roles. So their JD might say, these are the jobs that they're meant to be doing. And but then the needs are greater than what their JD, JD is saying. So the thing is, if they give up doing some of the things that they need to be doing... Others will say those needs are not being met, but they're trying to reach out to the others. 
So how do we do all these things together? Here's the wisdom that comes out of this. Verse 3. Now, look around, they say, among yourselves, and select seven who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Not just anybody, but choose those who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. You know what we're saying in our vision about return and renew and rebuild? It's return first. It's about Jesus first. It's about our worship and our prayer and our discipleship first. And then, let these people who have our DNA, who represent us, then step out to serve. Something that we've been doing, trying to do through resourcing teams or encouraging us on the rotas is to say, it, as much as it's good to be there when you're called to serve or arrive, come to church when you're on the rota to do a job, actually, how about remind ourselves that church is fast about Jesus, so come and worship him first, and then out of that place of worship do we serve. This is what they seem to be modeling, isn't it? Choose, not anybody, but they say, those full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And then you can see what happens after that. After that, the church grows again. They commissioned them in verse 6, it says. And then verse 7 can you see what verse 7 says? Read verse 7 with me, please, if you're able. So, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient. I mean, that last line makes you laugh a little bit, doesn't it? You th you'd think the priests are already um, obedient to the faith, but they became. Anyway, their faith was grounded. But we started in verse 1 by saying that the church was growing. But some needs were not being met. So if they had carried on like that without asking these extra seven to help, do you think the church would have carried on growing? No. It would get stunted and stunted because these apostles would start, instead of attending to the teaching and to the ministry that they're meant to be doing, they would have found themselves trying to do it all, and struggling, and some things inevitably would be unattended. But the wise Paul and Alan and the others in there say, they call for the meeting, and say, no, 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 no. Choose among you, not just anybody, but let's look around at those who are dedicated. Choose amongst yourselves, and let this ministry carry on. You help there. You help there. You help there. And as you do, we all serve together. And the church carries on growing. What a wonderful picture. That's Acts. Okay. So you might say, oh, this is the church in, you know, the early church in the New Testament. See what happens at the beginning in Exodus chapter 18. This is the beginning in Exodus 18. Okay. You have this scene with the mighty priest and prophet that was Moses. In 18, verse 12, between that, in that section, 
12. So you find Moses is there, and then his father-in-law, Jethro, comes and is there with him. And so his father-in-law comes to find and see what ministry is looking like for Moses. Okay, so there's that scene there. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people. And what was he doing? He was in that place trying to judge everybody. And it says there were queues. Did anybody see the vaccination center here? Of course you did. Do you remember the queues? And yet, there were lots of people serving. Well, this was Moses on his own, sitting there. And his father-in-law says, what are you doing? What do, what does he, what's his response? What's his response? 15. Moses answered. So he says, what, what, why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? They're all waiting. Oh, yawning and wondering, when is my turn coming? I want to see Moses. I want to see Moses. But when will my turn come? It's taking so long. They're getting frustrated. The needs are not being met. And Moses is saying, well, it's because the, the people come to see me to find out the will of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. Everybody believes that I have the answer, is what Moses is saying. And what's his father-in-law thinking? See what his father-in-law says from verse 17 and 18. What you are doing is not good. There is wisdom in this old man. What you're doing is not good. He's watched this before. He says, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Why? Because Moses will be frustrated that he hasn't met every need, and the people will be frustrated that their needs haven't been met. Can you see what's happening in Act 6? A similar thing is happening, isn't it? It's great that there are lots of people. It's wonderful that Moses is able to serve them, but he can't serve them all. So what does he say later? He says to him, select capable men, see from 21. A similar thing is happening. This is the beginning of the Bible, you're seeing it happen as well in the early church in Acts. Select them who fear God. Okay, so not just anybody, but who fear God and are trustworthy, and then they will help. And see what happens after that from 22. Let them serve as judges and help you with all of that. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law. Then what happens after that? 25. He chose them. Six, they served as judges. And it says, they served as judges for the people at all times and the difficult cases they brought to Moses. But the simple ones, they decided. Picture this. How many connect groups do we have at the moment? Roughly. If you're in one, I'll call it a home group. Let's see if you're in a home group. Wonderful. You all are. The cameras are not on you, so don't worry. They're not seeing. They all are in home groups. Not. But most of us are. Assume the 217 or 16 were all part of connect groups. If we had them split into 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. And then, when a situation arose, Josh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, because your connect group leader knows 
about you. They're keeping up with you and they're finding out about you. How about this? How are you doing, Brian? He's all right. But he says, I haven't seen you for a long time, Sam. In fact, I've never seen you come to my house, he says. And I'm thinking, but Brian, I'm trying to work my way through everybody's house of these 217. By the time I get to you, it might be 2024. How does Brian feel? He probably get disgruntled and more disgruntled because it's all about me. It's all about Moses there. But as soon as Moses chooses those other able people, what happens? It starts to thrive. In Acts, the same thing. These apostles need to attend to these ministries. But as soon as they start choosing others, then they're working together. It doesn't mean that I will never go and see Brian. It just means that getting to know about Brian and I, the connection happens much quicker because we are looking after each other together. And that's the point. You might call it a connect group. You might call it a life group. You might call it a home group, a cell group, whatever that is. It's just being more involved in that way that we do things together. But that's only one part in terms of looking out for each other. But how about being involved and doing things around the church? Now, you can heckle if you like. Shout out to me. Can you see in the corner at the back there, if you turn around? Those who haven't been here that long, those of you coming to the welcome lunch probably don't know about this, but there's something called the millennial, what's it? Millennium quilt. There you go. They, they, they know it. Millennial quilt. And only to a listed different jobs or parts of the church. Okay. Don't worry if you don't know what that means. Just shout out what you think makes up a church. Not just St. John's, but for church to thrive, what ministries could exist? Shout them out. Brownies. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer. So let's just go. Just roll with it. All right. Let's hear. Worship. Hospitality. Soup kitchen. Pastoral care. Cafe church. Keep, keep going. There are so many. Prayers. I want about 20. Youth work. Keep going. Kids groups. Community. More. Admin. That's about 10. You need 10 more at least. Donations. More. Coffees and teas. Hospitality. Welcome. Teaching. Cleaning. We've got to 14 now. Keep going. Socials. Maintenance. We can get to 20, church. Keep going. Singing in worship, yes, but actually singing could be on its own. Yeah, keep going. Looking after finance. Outreach. Communion. Well, already said, but we can take two welcome. Pastoral care, already said, but take two pastoral care. We've got to 17 now. Three more. Live streaming. We're down to fourth Sunday of the month now. Jesus himself, well, he's the point of the church. You're right. Two more. Flowers. Hospital visits. Now, we've only got to 20. I could take you up to 50. There's much more. 
what makes up the church. So, if I ask, can Paul Salter do all those 20 on his own? Let me, the, the answer is no. Let me hear a resounding. Can Jane, the wonderful, experienced, able Jane Morris, do all these things on her own? Not even Jane. Not, if, not even Jane. Can Rosie run the show on her own? Well, one would hope so. See what Jesus says. Hear what Jesus says at ascension towards the end of his time. He said to his disciples in John's gospel, he says to them, it is better that I leave because I will send you a helper. The disciples are trying to process, what does that mean? Of course not. You can't leave, master. And he says, it's better that I leave because when I do, Jesus says he's only able to be physically in one place at a time. Do you remember that scene when Lazarus dies? And they're crying, if only you were here quicker. But he's saying, yeah, even I am God, but actually I can't be in every place at the same time. But he says to them, it's better that I leave because I can send a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be everywhere at the same time. When they are choosing these people, they are choosing people full of the Spirit, when we step out and we are commissioning Rosie to go out, she's going forth in the name of God. By his power, by his enabling in his spirit, can we then do what he has called us to do? Not in our own strength. The gardening and that careful pruning and meticulous cutting of the right things which only Maureen and the others know. I will try and guess, but to do that, there's an enabling of a gifting of the spirit that comes upon her to do that gift. Because it's, it's a gift, isn't it? It's a gift. To do the teas and coffees and do them so well like you would, that's a gift. Now, sometimes the challenge is you say, oh, I'm, I can't really say yes to welcome because I won't do it as well as Josh does it. Or I, I, you know, I, I, could, I could never do live stream as well as, uh, you know, Jan Salter does it. Or I, I could never do... But that's not the point of these things, to compare ourselves, no. It's that as we share out the duties and help each other, it multiplies. And what happens? Verse 7 tells us in Acts 6, the church grew, just as it did in 1. But if they had carried on in verse 1 and relied on the same person and the same people, guess what? That disgruntlement of needs not being attended would have carried on. So what do you think is our wisdom? It's a joy that now our average, most Sundays, about 120, most Sundays, attendance now. I'm sure in the past it's been better. Many of you know that. When I say better, I'm talking about numbers. I don't necessarily mean that it's good when the numbers are up, but what I mean is that um, there were more numbers. And now 120, 140. When it gets to that, Somebody was saying that actually, if you maybe have 50, I could do my best with multiplying my fingers and hands, which you helped me with. And maybe they could reach out to everybody and I could do it on my own. But then that 50 becomes 150. And it's a different picture, isn't it? 
you then need others together, because otherwise you start hearing Alice saying, ooh, but actually you promised the other day, but you didn't come. And others say the same. But when it's shared, it's a different feeling. And then we remember that it's not all about me, all about Rihanna, or all about Maggie. No, it's all about Jesus. So we together pull and point to Jesus with the, the different gifts that we have. I've come, you know, leading you, and I'm thinking every time I ask myself, what credentials or qualifications do I have to lead these able people? They're so smart, they're so clever as I look around them, they're so good-looking, so, you know, experienced, they can, they can do it all. They've read and got multiple degrees upon degrees, wealthy. What am I doing here? Do you remember Moses asking himself those questions? And David? And then God shows them, he says, it's not about you, it's not about me. And as soon as I hear that, I think, I can do that. Because if it's not about me, then it's about the same Holy Spirit who lives in you. And you. And you. And you. That same Holy Spirit who lives in you and gives you the gifts that you can do what you can do. If he can give you those gifts to do what you can do, then he can give me the gifts to do what I can do. Then together we do what we can do and the church grows to his glory. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you so much for your church. Thank you that this is your church and this church is not about us as individuals. It's about us as a collective, as the body of Christ. This is your church. St. John's belongs to you over the 145 years it's been. It's about you. Forgive us when we make church about us. And forgive us, Lord, when we not step up to do the things that you've called us to do. We ask that, Lord, you help us to be humble, to humble ourselves, to come back to you. To come back to you and to offer our gifts to you as an act of worship. We continue our prayers this morning, praying for those, Lord, who are part of this body who are suffering today. I want to pray, rejoicing with um, Chris Fox, who has recently been appointed vicar at St. Paul's. We thank you and celebrate his ministry and celebrate the ministry of Mark and Lindsay there, who have also blessed us here. We pray that, Lord, you will bless St. Paul's as they transition. We rejoice with Rosie, for all that you have seen her through, for the successes that, Lord, she has brought to us as a church here. Thank you for our amazing, wonderful gifts and for leading her through uni and through this phase. Lord, times and seasons belong to you, and we pray that, Lord, you will continue to lead her. Even as we are sad and saying goodbye to her, Lord, we know that you care about Rosie because you made her. And so we pray that, Lord, her future will be secure in you. Lord, we pray to you for the Venus family following the loss of Paul, a dedicated member of our cafe church. Lord, I just pray for Sue, I pray for George, I pray for all of them as, as a family, for um, Kate, for little Aaliyah, uh, for Andrew. I pray for them that, Lord, you will be with them at this time. Strengthen them, encourage them, comfort them. Thank you for the uh, for Maureen. Maureen 
Castillo, an amazing woman who I didn't get to know very well, and yet on the, a couple of occasions, Lord, speaking to her, it was her faith, her faith, encouraging those around her, even in her weakness. I pray that, Lord, we will um, learn from her, that even in moments of our weakness, faith will be what encourages us and keeps us going. I pray for her family, for Valerie, for her nieces and nephews, and for all the family, that, Lord, even as they prepare for the funeral, you will be with them. Lord, we thank you for our nation. We thank you for our leaders. We thank you for our world and places that don't make it to our media, to the news, forgotten places in a sense. They are never forgotten to you. Lord, thank you that as a body together, a body here at St. John's, but a body in the world across your church, that, Lord, together we will look out for one another and support each other. I pray for your blessing on many, many mission organizations and charities, Wild Vision, Tear Fund, many of these that reach out to people in desperate need, that, Lord, through them, we will be your hands and your feet. Won't you bring a prayer to God in these next 30 seconds that is dear on your heart, whatever that is. It might be a prayer of celebration, a prayer of something you're struggling with, or somebody you want to name before God. Just do that quietly. Just do it quietly in your heart and we'll bring those to God.